good evening, everybody. This is Matt Amarinas from White and Blue Review. Sitting here, as always, with my buddy Johnny Atawa from the Omaha World Herald after Creighton's 82-72, sometimes pretty, sometimes gritty win. Yeah, felt, on Saturday, felt more gritty than Saturday pretty, in, at least in the defining moments. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we're going to touch on all of that, the nuts and bolts of it, um, and break down for you how Creighton got the job done today, and jump into your questions. We got a couple. We got some people starting to get into a better rhythm, starting to ask us some stuff, getting a little weird, which I appreciate because I don't like cookie cutter stuff. So we got some inside the box and outside the box stuff to touch on. Um, but for now, John, I'll let you tee it off first. Uh, what are some of the things I appreciate you felt you. like? What's up? I was just going to say, I appreciate you always let me bat lead off. It's really nice of you. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I feel like you're the ideal leadoff guy. You're the Braves fan. Acuna's a, you know, kind of like redefining that role. And I feel like that's just like you settle into that pretty good. Um, well, yeah, was, after, at halftime, I kind of looked over you. I was like, I think this game's kind of playing out the way I thought. Not necessarily – there were – parts of it that were different but the idea that Creighton wasn't going to be able to just put Louisiana Tech away to me was the, that's what I thought I thought that because there was a stretch in the first half where it, it they stretched like they might it. Have, up 13 yeah. they started I think made six of the first eight threes the Jays did and they were running and everything looked great but I knew that just because of who the Bulldogs are like they're a team that wants to run just like Creighton they have stretches where that where it looks really good offensively. Um, they have a lot of skilled and athletic guards who can make plays, attack closeouts, get downhill. They're deep, although they didn't show it as much this in this game. But yeah, in other not games, much of a disparity in in who who logged the heavy minutes, right? Yeah. Uh, in other games, have gone ten deep, eleven deep, and they've you know they went to Wichita State and won last year. I know Wichita State was down. Uh, I was but, Wichita State. Yeah, they yeah. handled them. Yeah. Um and they played LSU close last year. It was a 7-point game. They lost at LSU and, and there was a that a charity scrimmage earlier this year where they played LSU and challenged them. So I, it, to me, I thought Creighton was going to have a hard time putting this team away and that's what it proved to be. I thought the Jays would have to make a few winning plays down the stretch. <coughs> Uh, to, to secure a victory, and um, I was curious to see if they were able to do it, if they could do it. Because wasn't that what defined their season last year? It was. Were some opportunities that they had to put games away, or at least in games where the result was in doubt, take over and finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, even even games where they should have won comfortably weren't comfortable. It wasn't. It wasn't comfortable. Yeah, I think of Providence. I mean, but I'm well, sure they're go others. back even earlier. Like Western Illinois was a dogfight. East Tennessee State. They felt like yeah. they, before they went to the Cayman Islands, there was kind of like a little bit of like what's going on here because they had opportunities to put all these teams away and didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Ohio State game uh, was one that they were up late and uh, the Buckeyes went on a run to finish it. Like those, yeah. all the, all that happened early in the season. So yeah. This one did have the same ingredients involved um, with a different result. So, I mean, I, I thought it was notable that, yeah, they made a couple big shots. Tyson Alexander hit one. His defender fell down. They ran a play for Mitch Ballack. He hit one. But to me, um, the defining moments of the game were on the other end of the floor 
well, I guess Kelvin Jones's hustle offensive rebound was on the offensive side. But in the it, things that are hard was, to describe with a stat, right? Yeah. Like it's a Marcus Zagorowski steal. It's a Kelvin Jones offensive rebound, mm-hmm. but the and it plays. Was a, but, it the, was, but the plays were more. Yeah, and it was a way that they kind of swarmed around on defense after uh, in the final four minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Louisiana Tech finished two of seven with two turnovers on its final eight possessions. You know, like, and the Bulldogs were in scramble mode a little bit too. But I just I don't know. There was Creighton found another level and found a way to win. Um, in a, maybe a non-traditional way, because like the game started at, like it, it was going to be a shootout. Yeah. But then by midway through the second half, when the when the Jays kind of got tired and Louisiana Tech looked like they got tired too, like that that pace slowed down in that game, mm-hmm. and it became kind of a half-court game, and the Jays had to make some plays, and that that hasn't always suited the identity of this team. They want it to be part of their identity, like they want to be able. Like if 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 a game is a track meet, that's what they want, and they want to be they they want to try to push force the issue and, and create that as much as they can but they know that at times in Big East play later on in non-conference like they're going to be in these types of games that are just kind of slugfests and can you find a way to to win it and so they won it today and yeah they're better than Louisiana Tech um on on paper going in like they were supposed to win but mm-hmm. um you still do commend them for making the plays when they when they had to and I'm imagining that they'll reflect back on this game at least for the next couple weeks as they you know await the return of some guys some reinforcements Mm -hmm. to that rotation yeah um i mean it you know it's i i told i first of all you nailed it um it was kind of interesting the way the game if we can segment it started out uh you know louisiana tech hits that hits those back-to-back threes off of um Creighton turnovers. I think they had back-to-back turnovers on two possessions in a row, and they turned into threes for Louisiana Tech. So they go up 8-2, to and you're like, okay, Louisiana Tech's good. This ain't going to be easy. But then Creighton settled in. Like, they really kind of dictated the type of game they wanted to play. I think they scored an 8-11 possessions. You talked about hitting six out of six out of eight, their first eight threes. Yeah. They were putting it on Louisiana Tech for a second there uh, for a good stretch. I mean, it was a quick stretch, too. Like, after the under six. The first media timeout at under sixteen, I think the score ballooned from eight to seven to twenty one to fifteen in about like a minute and a half or Party. something like that. Yeah, like both it, teams were making everything. And yeah, going, got, and everyone's shooting with like ten seconds on the shot clock. Yeah, it got crazy. First ten seconds. Yeah, but that was a that was a style of game that Creighton wanted to play. The thing that I thought was interesting was, and I've been wondering it if this if they can do this while they're waiting, as you said, for the reinforcements to get there because. I'm kind of throwing Davion and Denzel into the same timeline in terms of their ETA because Davion doesn't seem close to being back, and I feel like he's going to meet Denzel's deadline more than he's going to get a couple more games under his belt. I feel like they're going to be pretty close to the same time when they're ready. So um, so I think the reinforcements are going to come all at once. But in the meantime, can Creighton play with a, a depleted rotation the way they want to play normally? And I felt like in the second half, there was a big time level drop off. And I could, you could sense that I think they were a little bit tired. Yeah. I don't feel like the game I don't feel like the game slowed down for any reason other than they were just a little bit gassed. That's, that was my thought. Yeah, right. They had, let's see, um, three points over a one, two, three, four, five. 
11 possession span mm-hmm. with four tur- turnovers. Um, that was like the 15 minute mark of the second half to the nine minute ish mark. Yeah. After that they, initial stanza, mm-hmm, right? Half, it was right. Like, yeah, it, it just felt just, like they fell off big time. Which and is then interesting when you watch the possessions, it was kind of like it felt like a lot of one on one losing um, the ball, stuff like that. Plays that yeah. that maybe they they don't make if they're they're at full strength and and able to cycle guys in a little bit more and keep guys fresh. But yeah, that that to me is where the game turned a little bit. And then you mm-hmm. saw, by the way, you saw on the other end, Louisiana Tech, they had like four possessions in a row where they just sort of jacked a three yeah. without even really trying to put pressure on Creighton because they were tired too, it felt like. Mm-hmm. They were just like, well, first shot available, it's a three, it's kind of contested, but oh well, we'll just try it. And because they missed, I think Louisiana Tech missed an opportunity to really put the pressure on Creighton earlier. Um, and maybe uh, the Bulldogs could have flipped it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they were down by five or something. That there's like four possessions in a row where they jacked a three, and it was Creighton got the defensive board, and that was it. You know, that was a possession. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so uh, they missed an opportunity, but I thought that was that was the moment when I realized I was like, okay, this isn't this isn't the fun back and forth end to end like shootout anymore. This they've is beaten be themselves like, into the ground now, and they, yeah. they have to whoever can can jump out of it first is going to win this game basically. Um, it's like mud pit that somebody's yeah, got to emerge. Who's yeah. going to emerge out yeah. of it? They spun the tires too much. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, the game was decided on those those effort plays that that Kelvin Jones and Marcus Zagorowski made. Like, I mean, somebody driving a car. Yeah, it's like through the bowels of rocking the, the zamboni through the CHI. hallways right now. <laughs> um, they found it in the closet when you and all left or something. It's just driving laps around the yeah. innards of the arena, spit okay. peeling out. Uh, so, like, uh, Marcus Zagorowski and Kelvin Jones obviously made some huge plays, but Marcus's play, I think, I mean, you were the first to say it, but everybody concurred with you in postgame. Like, that was the decider right there. I mean, it was an unbelievable effort play to it's, – it's hard to describe without it not making sense from a physical standpoint, you know what I mean? Like, because he literally dove, laid out completely and didn't come up with the ball and didn't get up to get it, but, like – dove again somehow while still being on the ground like he just it was almost like a bear crawl dive sprawl uh, I mean like yeah. several just I'm getting that thing right. and, and he did get it spun around uh, found Kelvin Jones who took two dribbles took actually. two dribbles then heard Max voice in his head saying what are you doing <laughs> yeah. and uh, in his head he said and uh, then found Balak for the alley-oop that blew the roof off the building and I don't think I've seen Marcus scream as loud as that ever. Yeah. I mean, he was jacked up. The whole place was jacked up. And you felt like that changed the game and everybody concurred. I mean, Mitch Ballack flat out said, like, point blank, that was ball game right there, even yeah. though there was still a lot of time. Nine minutes point. left. Yeah, right. Yeah, but he just what did you like? What, what did you see in that moment, obviously from an energy standpoint, but to note that that was like, to, to considering all the possessions that were still left in the game, I mean, yeah. Why? 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 What you saw in that moment that um, definitively changed it? So there's two things for me. One was I mentioned that stretch where they were where they went three points over eleven possessions. Yes. That was the end of that stretch yep. to start a new stretch. So like the the momentum Creighton had built a I don't know eleven point lead 
and that lead was dwindling and dwindling, and actually the possession before Zagorowski's steal, um, Louisiana Tech had a hustle play of its own. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was Gene maybe kind of muscled the, the away from Tyshawn. muscled a rebound away yeah. from Tyshawn on offensive board and put a stick back, mm-hmm. and the lead was three. Creighton's big double digit lead was down to three. The crowd, you could sense some uneasiness and like. Louisiana Tech's players were flexing and shouting, and the bench, you could hear that, like, their screams echoing through the arena. So, to me, the game was teetering. Mm-hmm. Somebody had to either – either Creighton was going to come up with a response or La Tech was going to – Take over the game. I don't know about take over, but, but certainly, so like, like plant its flag and say, like, we're here till the, till the finish. And, and so that's why I thought that play was huge. The other thing – that stood out to me about it was like Creighton's coaching staff has like pleaded with these guys for a year really since the Nebraska game last year yep to adopt that this form of grit and tenacity within their identity those types of plays like they want that to be the routine and it is a lot to ask because Creighton wants to play with a lot of pace offensively and wants to establish its tempo and like the guys are offensive oriented and they go on but there's energy expended towards that right philosophy you only have so much in the tank exactly right so you have to you're going all out offensively to sprint as soon as you get possession of the ball and then on defense the coaches are asking you to also expend as much energy as possible and if the ball's on the floor, die for it. Or if you're if you're guarding the ball, do it with tenacity and ruthlessness, and and you know be alert and and aggressive with your rotations and, and <coughs> challenge shots. You know, like they they want those guys putting it all on the court, and and they have they've said they've sort of like the coaches would would say things like, actually, I think Greg McDermott might have said this in practice. There were a couple plays at Michigan when we talked about one of them I know on this podcast where if if Creighton would have gotten on the floor for a loose ball it, it could have won him the instead game instead of trying to just reach over and pick it up yeah which is the the play that you felt that changed the game against Michigan against Michigan well it was defining moment I don't know if it changed it but it was the defining moment yeah. where it was like oh Michigan's got this yeah, you know right. or <laughs> you know Creighton doesn't have the edge in the hustle category anymore mm-hmm. And so, I, I don't know. The, the coaches have said to these guys, like, look, if you do this, you'll win. Type, like, do this and you will, like, see the results. Right. And so, I thought that that play, you know, it helped that it was capped by an alley-oop that brought the, like you said, brought the roof off. Or knocked the roof off the building and the place went uh, exploded. But to make a play like that, to, to for a guy like Marcus Zagorowski, who... Um, you know, the coaches have asked, hey, can you do this for us? Can you be this guy? For him to do it and then see the results of it. Like, I put in this effort. I made these – I dove once, crawled on the floor, dove again, <laughs> and, and got the ball. Like, like, the Louisiana Tech player literally had two hands on the ball. He, he was to, picking he, it up. And yeah. Marcus still uh, – he, he was lower on the ground. And his momentum as he's diving for it, like, helped him secure the ball. To see that actually play out, um, I think – that, that boosts their confidence and sort of reinforces like what the coaches have been telling them. And so to me, that's why it was so, so big. Cause when, when you talk about it, it's like, it's one thing, but then yeah. when you actually do it and you see it, the impact of it and how, yeah. how, what kind of, uh, you know, 
what it does to the feel of the game, I think that sort of like set, set, sets you to another level. And so that's why I thought the play was huge. And, uh, and also, I mean, it was just an incredible play. It was. I mean, like you just the, well. the, whole, the whole sequence. But, was but that was just a, uh, I get, it was a, it was a, you don't see that on the basketball court very often, mm-hmm. uh, a play like that. And it, and it has to work out perfectly in that the ball kind of skipped away from Marcus and then started rolling. And he was able, uh, because it was rolling kind of slowly enough, he was able to sort of, like you said, just crawl and go get it yeah. again. But two dives on one play, that, yeah, it, it was, was it was that was a cool play. Um, let's let's dive into like the gritty part of what Creighton was able to do to win this game, and and what we talked about when we opened here was just like the type of win this was isn't something that rewind a calendar a full calendar year was something that the makeup of this group could do. You know what I mean? Like, they just didn't win games like this until they had to almost, you know what I mean, when their season was kind of back against the wall mode. Um, it, You know, it is. it was a good point that Mitch made after the game when we talked to him uh, about just this kind of happened to be the way it is in the meantime and, you know, having it being part of who we are and then – when the Davions and the Denzels come back, um, they'll be able to do the same type of stuff and play with that pace that they want to play with without having to worry about running themselves into the ground because they will have depth at the same time. So, like, how much do you see... We know the pace is going to be there no matter what. Like, that's a non-negotiable. We, we, they'll play with it to, the, to their detriment even. But um, how much of this these type of plays that the winning plays they made today um, are transferable going forward without having to constantly reinforce them with, De- as I mean, Greg McDermott said, the reminders. You know what I mean? Like, when he feels like they're not doing it, I'll remind you. But how, like, when does it become embedded in their DNA? Right. As much as the pace and space does. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that I think that's the question. Yeah. Is, is this the, the moment? Because like, that would be the difference in what they were last year and – the team they want to be in terms of getting to the NCAA tournament, getting to the Sweet 16, all that type of stuff. I mean, right, if, don't you think? the types of plays they made in this game, if they were making those plays in January and February last year, you know, that four-game losing streak in February where they lost all those close games late, if they were making these types of plays, like they would have won right. half of those at least yeah. in the NCAA tournament team. Mm-hmm. So, um, and they, there were times when they really, like you said, once their backs were against the wall, like right. they made some, some tough plays. Um, like even at I think at the Paul they were making some tough plays to mm-hmm. win that game. They won it going away, but they had to make some plays to win it. Marquette obviously on the road. Uh, uh, Georgetown on the road. Yeah, that was earlier though. That was in that was in uh, in in January. But uh, I think Butler at home they made some. Oh, definitely. That was that was an early was game too. But yeah. it wasn't consistent. And so, like you said, is it can you embed it into your DNA to where it's like. This is our identity. This is what we do on a night-to-night, you know, possession-to-possession basis. This is yeah. who we are. Um, we'll see. Because they had it for a half against Michigan. Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, and then they they had it for – I thought they brought it the second half against Kennesaw State, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, can you can – you, and then obviously they had it down the stretch here. But 
that's what they want to be, and and they got to prove it. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I think there's something to it. Like it's not they can practice it and they can drill it and until it's ingrained in there. But I feel like those types of plays are just like it's it's a spur of the moment type of deal because it has to have the opportunity has to be there for the ball to be in position for you to win it in with an extra effort. Yeah. I don't think it's something you can always just game plan for. This is who we're going to be. Um, so I think there is going to be some, like, inconsistency when you see it happen. And I don't think they're going to – I don't think they're going to win 100% of the 50, 50 balls going forward the rest of the well, season. You, yeah, you can't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it just it, – eventually it's going to roll the wrong way and things like that. But, but you can't – But you can't. But in moments where they need it, like tonight, where it's – where this is going to change the game – or decide the game, or determine a win or a loss. Can they just like? Is it like when Marcus sees the ball on the floor? Is it just go get it with as much effort as possible to get the ball? Because that's really what it was. Right. Like Greg McNerman said it perfectly in the post game. There was one person getting that basketball, and it was Marcus Zagorowski. Like that, that's just a flat out what it looked like when you watch the play unfold. There was one person making the maximum amount of effort to gain possession of that basketball and change that possession. See, that, I guess that's my thing is because you don't know what the other team's going to bring. Right. But you know what you, you're going to bring. Right. So you it's don't, about winning the moment. You don't want to have, you you have any instance – Creighton doesn't. They don't want to have an instance where they're the, they're the on the opposite end of that, mm-hmm. where they're the – What could I have done more? Player who's kind of just like reaching down to try to pick it up and someone dives in and steals it from – like so if that's who they are – then, yeah, I think then they will – I mean, I think that they'll be able to at least survive this early season mm-hmm. test of adversity where they're going to be playing with sort of this depleted rotation. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they're going to they're gonna have two games in three days next weekend, mm-hmm. and then they go out to Vegas and they'll play back-to-back games. So <laughs> to have uh, – to carry this over into, into those settings, that will be – a challenge, and maybe we'll learn more about um, truly what is uh, what, you know, what this team can be. What what is even like possible? Um, what is reasonable to expect from a group that's playing essentially playing seven guys and relying pretty heavily on four? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mitch Ballack in the second half, seventeen points, came out firing, um, hit four threes on seven attempts, uh, ends up with a pretty good line, twenty two. Six boards, three assists, only one turnover in 38 minutes. What did you, what did you think of his performance today? Especially just, I don't know, after a few moments of why aren't you shooting that basketball match? Like, you know, just opportunities where he's catching in the right spot and he's got space and not, not firing. <laughs> when, when was that play where he uh, threw, it to, threw it to Kelvin? Yeah, I feel like that was early second half. Yeah, where he... <laughs> He had a wide they, it was because they, because they, they, Louisiana Tech pressed. Finally, we were yeah. wondering how often they were going to break that out. And they did. Creighton broke it to get. Him. Oh, that's and they, and they found Mitch wide, wide open in the corner for a three in front of his own bench, and he rose up and threw a chest pass to Kelvin, who got fouled and luckily hit two free throws. But <laughs> yeah. I pulled Mitch aside and said, "I want that shot." And then I, want, see, I want the three points. Saw, instead of the did two. you see Tyshawn too? He was like, yeah. had both arms. Like, what are you board. doing? Come on, man. Yeah. And Tyshawn never needs an excuse not to pull. Like, <laughs> it's like, if they can crazy? somehow mold that together some way, that'll, that'll be a pretty lethal combination. Yeah, more so than they already are. Um, 
I mean, he's just a good shooter. Yeah. So if he's got space, and obviously, you know, he can probably, he can, he can, he can take more shots. If we know that. Even when there's not as much yeah. space, right? But, um, you know, I think the. Well, they they drew up some plays for him, mm-hmm. especially that one late. That's the one that you mentioned, I think, a couple weeks ago. That you know, if you run something for him, maybe that just forces his mindset to be that aggressive, aggressive yeah. as he needs to be. That's what I thought. That's the one thing you thought that you you brought up a couple weeks ago that I thought was a really good point. If you're was, like, hey, this you're the number one yeah, option. On this hey, play. Mitch, you're this is your play for you. Yeah, <laughs> this is a play so, for you. So, like, literally, it. name it, Mitch Ballack. Like, <laughs> Mitch Ballack, Warren, Michelle, yeah. too. Like, it's just variations. Apparently, like, the, apparently that play though, it, they ran it with it has uh, different reads and different options. Mm-hmm. So it just happened to unfold where Mitch was the guy open. So as soon as he got the ball, he was shooting it. But that was the one that that was kind of like the dagger, I think, yeah. that put him up by <clears throat> seven or eight with like mm-hmm. two minutes left. But he had, didn't he have back to back possessions where he hit threes. Hit one in the corner, and then he had. Well, actually, they might have both been in the corner, opposite corners, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I know he had. He had a one dribble, sort of one dribble step back or one dribble pull up from the corner. I remember. Yeah, after one. Kelvin's dunk, he hit three. He was three for three from deep. I think. Yeah, I think he missed one late after that. But, um, yeah, he was bang bang after Kelvin's dunk. So he he, his threes I felt like sustained the momentum that Creighton had built with that play. Yeah. Um. I mean, r- right now. I mean, I, can you can you pull up the stat, season stats? Yeah, because it's ridiculous what Tyshawn Alexander, Marcus Zagorowski, and Mitch Ballard are shooting for three. Yeah, I mean today they were unreal. Did you see their disparity today? Look at their look at their uh, their disparity today. Look at their shots from just from three alone. Yeah. Uh, it, you can say it's, it out loud. It's silly. Place. It's it's silly though. It is silly. I, I mean, 13 for 25? Yeah. But four from Tyshawn, four from Marcus, oh, five from Mitch. Yeah, you're like talking the, about how, the, who, who not just the right. Not just the, the, the overall, overall total, but the balance in it. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> but what, what are they shooting? Just um, go down the line. So, Mitch is actually really struggling. He's at 38%. <laughs> Marcus and Marcus, yeah, really struggling at 38%. Yeah. Um, Marcus and Tyshawn are both at above 50. Tyshawn's closing in on 60% from three. He's 11 of 19 on the year. Yeah. He, Tyshawn's 11 of 19. Marcus is 10 for 20. Mitch is 8 for 21. So that's 21, 29 threes between them on 60 attempts. 29 of 60 for that, that, that trio from three. Yeah. With the new line and everything. <laughs> right, right. I forgot about the With new the line. With the new line that's screwing everybody up and yeah. bringing down these percentages, it's actually raising these guys' percentages. <laughs> yeah. No, okay. I don't. I, I don't. Obviously, they're not going to. Tyson's not going to shoot sixty percent, but Ballard's going to improve. I would think. Yeah, like Mitch will come up a little yeah. bit. Tyson will come down. These three guys, man, they're just. I you know Aren't you they perfectly. They're perfectly suited for the for system. Each, yeah, for yeah. the system and for each and other. For each other. Yeah. I, yeah. It, the Epperson injury stinks so much because it opens a glaring hole weakness within the lineup. It doesn't mean that these three guys can't be elite. They, right. I think they will be, but um, you know, for their sake, I kind of hope that the Jays can get these guys back in. They can add some reinforcements so that um, that they don't have, they have gas on the tank left. Right, because yeah. they could have a really special season. Like we could see. I mean, tonight they were incredible. All three: Tyshawn, Mitch, and, and Marcus. They they. It's just they they work so well together. They're they're unselfish. They 
um, they celebrate each other's success. They feed off one another. You know, like um, it's it's a good it's a just an exciting group, exhilarating yeah. group to watch play ball. How much of it is it? You think the continuity from just having so many minutes on the floor together last year? And yeah. I mean, add that to the July practices. Add, I mean, Tyshawn wasn't a big part of that, but the July practices. Well, Marks wasn't some, either. By right, the way, exactly. But. Yeah, I guess we can throw that out the window completely. But last year, yeah, you know, all the minutes they played minutes. together, all the all the. But all the trial by fire they had to go through yeah. because it wasn't always a smooth sailing you thing. Remember, like, you remember? Okay, so I think Mitch missed this uh, that trail three, but it's like, yeah, me and Mark has been working on this trail yeah, three. Right? And it was just like a, another yeah. thing that you guys <laughs> yeah. were working Wait, on. You're like, adding more weapons yeah. to this, but absurdity. But that, but that mm-hmm. idea of like just two guys who are in the gym together and they're like, hey, what can we do different? Right? Or how can we come up with another counterpunch or a way to keep it keep the attack on it? Like, yeah. Oh yeah, we've been working on this trail three thing. So it's like. Um, to to watch, I mean, to where they're at right now, those three, the continuity, the connection that they have is already really impressive. Um, you know, eager to see what they can do as the season unfolds, and they need help, obviously. Like they can't. Yeah. It's not. They it's won't. Not they just, can't sustain this as the three pillars. Right. Like they need more. And yeah. it's not just about that. And they have to. And they do have to find other ways to to be productive. Like you, they're not going to always be able to rely on the three, but. I, I mean, they, they, uh, they, yeah. The, these guys can really shoot. Mm-hmm. All three of them can. I mean, if the weapon, if the if the moving the three point line back is going to bring down, is going to turn. How did Greg remember said it the other day at practice? Like marginal shooters are poor shooters now with this three point line yeah. because it's it's just it's it's far enough back to where if you were towing the line only hitting around thirty percent, you're not going to have you're not a three point shooter at this point anymore in your career. Um, but for them. Like, I think when, uh, you know, based on synergy, I just moved, if you, you can move the line back and whatnot and see where guys are shooting from in certain zones. And there were, there were four guys who had shot over 40% on 100 more attempts, I think, when they moved the line back. Um, and Mitch was one of them. Denzel, who was, in the, who was waiting, is another one. Um, and I think the other two were Sean McDermott and... Four guys in the Big Marcus East Howard. is what you're saying. Yeah, four yeah, Big four East guys, players. Four big East guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry. So Marcus Howard, um, Tom McDermott. Yeah. Mitch and then Denzel. Yeah. But Marcus Zagorowski was just below the threshold. He was at like 38% on 97 attempts. So he's one of the guys who can do it. Um, and then Tyshawn is obviously stroking it at an unbelievable rate right now. So yeah. I think it makes them better because it's kind of separating the men from the boys in terms of that three-point line itself, don't you think? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, they, they seem to be like, like if you're a shooter, you got to prove it this year, almost like you know what I mean, right? Because it's not, it's not, it's not a mid range right. jumper anymore. And I'm seeing a lot of guys. I've seen a lot of guys in these first few games like come off those curls and come off those ball screens and like pull up in that 18 to 19 foot range. And I'm like, that's a terrible shot. Oh yeah, but you don't understand where that you're not. You're that's that's a three ball in your mind. What you're thinking of like. In your mind, coming off that is where the line used to be, and you're not. Guys are taking them and adjusted. Yeah. yeah, I think Louisiana Tech had a couple guys that hit a couple long ones yeah. today. Like that's just not. Yeah, that gets, that, gets, that gets you pulled in practice and benched <laughs> benched in the game if Max is you doing that. Right. You know the other thing that was interesting too, by the way, it's like because we talked about them hitting all the threes, but <laughs> they shot. Those guys, those three shot 25 of Creighton's 29 threes. Yeah. And honestly, that's like, 
that's exactly what you want. Feels like that's a good number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, well, I'm... I'm you're always going to hit slumps and bad shooting stretches. Oh, for sure. So we'll see how they adjust the season goes on. But through three games, like, I got to imagine that while teams are licking their chops a little bit about what Creighton's got at the four and the five from a size perspective, they're terrified at one, two, three yeah. because of those three. Those guys are our special players. Mm-hmm. Um, should we jump into questions? Or yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Let's see what we got. Um, oh, I didn't ask this question. Uh, Matt Hoppy wants to know, why isn't Coach wearing a tie? I assume it was just superstition to get a win streak started. So I don't think – I wonder if we will be wearing one next game. Hmm. I didn't even notice he wasn't wearing a tie. Oh, really? Yeah, he went Hoiberg tonight. Is it, is it Hoiberg? I thought it was like an old NBA Hoiberg never style. Wears, Hoiberg never wears a tie. That's so NBA like, style. Do no NBA guys wear ties? I don't know. I thought NBA style was like the jacket, the sport coat with no tie. Does Brad Stevens not wear a tie? I don't know, man. I'm pretty sure Brad Stevens wears a tie. Mm. Oh. I know like Scott Brooks does in some of them. No, a lot of NBA coaches wear ties. I'm just picturing it all in my head right now. Yeah, that, that was always my perspective. Was it an like, NBA thing? Maybe I just... I mean, Bob Huggins wears like a... Sweatsuit, like a jumpsuit, yeah. like, um, like like uh, Tony Soprano. I actually had this conversation with a member of Creighton's coaching staff. Like, why do you guys dress up? Because you know you're not oh. dressing you're not dressing up. It, 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 why why do you why do you suit it up? Because you know, football coaches don't wear suits. Mm-hmm. Baseball coaches wear the uniform. What was the response? I don't know. They don't know why they dress up. Nobody knows. They just dress. It's just that's just what you do. do. Yeah. So you think they should they, should they be trendsetters then? Should they should they go with a a different look? I would say no. Like women's women's basketball coaches like went with like sneakers, or I don't know if they're sneakers, but like they're not like they don't wear heels like every other staff. They like they all have like coordinated yeah. shoes going. On. They have a coordinated shoe game going on. So that's their different. Right. That's how they differentiate themselves. I mean. They go, they go. They have like a shoe game, and they go with the pullovers, the Creighton pullovers. It, it does. I, I wonder. You probably feel a little bit more empowered with a suit on, right? Like, okay. Like more official. Yeah. It's game day. Suited and booted. Is there's like a purpose to what you're doing? You sure. were putting the suit on. If you rolled in with like sweats and hoodie on it doesn't feel that way if, but if Bill Belichick does it just fine so I don't know <laughs> if if they were to open themselves up to suggestions for a uniformed coat of you know attire but not not formal dress wear what, what would we suggest what's some what should they wear I don't know man I I'm not I'm not saying that I don't like the suits should they go? Should like, they go? Why is it? Should they go hoodie game? Do you think like new age hoodie game? Like just all roll out like like what Mac does in practice, basically. Because like, well, those, think about it. The new how, how many hoodies. we've had uh, two Big East coaches over the last two years rip their pants? Yes, right. They, you're not ripping Seems, your pants if you're in like sweats yeah, or right, you're exactly. in gym shorts or whatever. Right. You, you need to. We should get on this. We should we should collaborate on a story together. <laughs> it's like <laughs> what. Who started wearing the suit and why? Yeah, and can we switch it up? Yeah, it without being ridiculed. Does I don't this know. have to happen? Like, do they need to wear? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Good question. Sorry we didn't ask. I meant I, I saw the question at halftime and I was like, I do want I think it's a, I think it was like because I uh, Murph says their seating arrangement on the bench is based on the previous game's results. So like if they win, they'll they'll sit the same way in the same order. Mm. But if they lose, they'll like switch it up gotcha. and just get, and find something to keep going with. So I know the seating arrangement is based on um, current streak, okay. if you will. Um, but I, I thought the tie might have been a thing because they lost to Michigan and now he's going no tie until they start a new winning streak. There you go. That's why Mitch got a haircut and shaved. Yeah. Like that was a a winning streak. Right. Decision. Um, this is from Liam Keating. Uh, La Tech, best hair game in NCAA. I mean, Honestly, I maybe. can't think of anyone better. When I saw maybe. that dude, that dude's red hair is in the <laughs> roster bio. And I was like, oh, that better be. He better <laughs> he bring better that to Omaha. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they got like five or six guys. So I'm just like, mm, nice. Right? Even the dudes who aren't colored, don't, aren't, don't have the colored hair. I almost fucked that up bad. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, I was like, man, where are you where going? Are you going? Wait, Back off. Where are you going with that? <laughs> the dudes who don't have colored hair. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> this is almost the last podcast we ever recorded. Uh, the dudes who don't have colored hair um, had, had like, pretty good, like, good you know, yeah, yeah, it was a good style on it. I liked it. I was pretty much a fan of everything tonight that from a hair standpoint on Louisiana Tech's part. Yeah. So like they take time. Can you, can you be a great team with good hair? Oh, man, God, I hope so, because don't you need to be, like, that needs to be front and center but but if it because it's like isn't it kind of like wearing hoodies when you're outside uh on a cold day in in a football game before a football game like (laughs) you can't focus on you can't have okay so like so so we gotta think about who's because i'm thinking done some stuff with good hair because i grew up so what i I grew up rooting for i I grew up rooting for and cheering for a guy in brian cardinal who had basically no hair and wore knee pads out on the basketball court and that dude was a boss the way he played like, can you can you um, can you play gritty with well, with good hair? Okay, so are you saying would Purdue have beaten Virginia had Matt Harms had not a yeah one maybe of the greatest dudes right if game, if right? if he if he had not if he just let that thing go instead yeah. of you know fixing like it up Johnny Bravo style or <laughs> yeah whatever he's doing it I don't know I don't know Damn. something about it. is that so is would that would that make it tough to live with if he found out that was the reason they lost? Like, do you think he would shave his head and never grow it back type of deal? Mm. He's like, this is this is unacceptable. Right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Really want to talk I think about that game honestly, it still hurts. That's the reason I brought it up. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't think of who's like rocked. Uh, who's who? Yeah, who's like gone all the way like Final Four MOP with like amazing hair? The whole team. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question though. I'm putting La Tech number one of my power rankings until further notice. Yep. I feel like I'll they, keep an eye out. Yeah. Maybe up. We can update them. Yeah. Bit. But they rocked it today for sure. Speaking of La Tech, just on the court, what do you think of that team? They're picked third in the Conference USA. Um, like I said, I mean, they're a top 100 Ken Palm team yep. at the moment. We'll see if they drop below that after this game. <coughs> but right. they shouldn't. Um, they, they got a lot of guard play that – those guards, like I said, those guards are really good. Like, that Muhammad kid you were talking trash about. I did talk some trash about 14 him. and 16. <laughs> I know. I think he might have been, like, bugging our seats because he came out. He had a three. Yeah. He had a three. We didn't even hit, know he could do another, that. Hit another jumper. Yeah. I know. So, I, I, I was like, I, I'm not worried about him. I don't think Creighton has, has, has to worry about that guy. And uh, he proved me wrong. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, 
I like them. I think, you know, I, I think their schedule is, I don't want to say, like, soft. They've got some tough ones on there, but once they get in the league play, I think they're going to roll. You know what yeah, I mean? I don't, Old Dominion? Is that, yeah, is that the uh, right. the favorite in the in Conference USA? I think so. I think they're going to have – I think they're going to be like, you know, the Montanas and East Tennessee Ooh, States Western from Kentucky's last year. In that league, right. Western Kentucky. They're usually pretty good. Right. But I think they're going to rack up a lot of wins. I think they're going to compete for their conference title. So I think they're going to be a team that, you know, has a chance to be – they won't be a bubble team or anything like that, but they'll have a chance to be – Kind of like East Tennessee State was last year when I they – I said that. Oh, my <laughs> Literally the comp I just made. <laughs> John was listening. Uh, yeah, I was like look, I was looking up their schedule because you were talking yeah, about it. I said stopped listening to I know, you. Clearly did because I like not even like seven seconds before that. Uh, um, East Tennessee State, Montana, those types. I think they're gonna have a chance to rack up a lot of wins and be a quality, you know, a quality resume win because they're just gonna be good. Did you say that they they do play at Indiana? And- yeah, that's going to be so. be, be interesting. Indiana looks really good too, but they haven't played anybody. They play nobody. Yeah, yeah, they're just racking up blowouts right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be an interesting one for sure. But I think they're going to be a good team regardless if they get housed in Bloomington or not. That's actually in like ten days. So. Nice. Kind of curious. I, I, it's hard. Like you see a, a certain game play out in person. You see like the level of athlete. You know, I remember watching Western Illinois last year, and I was thinking, I know, that, right? That, those top three players, yeah. like they're going to contend in the Summit, no doubt. And they didn't. No. Although they snuck into the Summit League tournament and then won. Mm-hmm. They beat. Uh, they upset Dom and the and those boys in the first or in the first round. I think. Yeah. I think it was Western Illinois. They did that. It's funny because it didn't surprise me that even though the season they had, it didn't surprise me that they upset. I was going to say it was like why weren't like why wasn't that consistent? Because they, yeah, they I, had some dudes. Uh, right. I was impressed by them. Um, but yeah, so, I totally I totally agree. But I think I think LaTeX a good team. Okay. In in terms of like being in that eighty to one hundred range in the you know net Ken Palm type of deal, like, right. they'll be a quality win. I think. Quad two win. Yeah, you agree? Yeah. Probably the second. Turn it around on you. What do you think of La Tech, John? Probably the second. You talking trash, and the dude's got 14 and 16. I did talk trash about Muhammad, and I will I will acknowledge that. But, I mean, you must have come away impressed then, because he clearly exceeded your expectations. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the Caleb Ledoux kid is number five. He won for nine from three, and he actually had some good looks in there. Yeah, he did. So I'd imagine he doesn't do that. No. Um, more often than not, I think he's like a thirty-eight percent three-point shooter coming in for his mm-hmm. career, and he was like seven to seventeen in this season. So yeah, but Bracy, Gene, Pepper, I don't, I don't like think those I, dudes are. I guess I, my thing is, Mario Archibald played tonight. He wasn't. Even, oh yeah, he wasn't. He was really good yeah. last year for them. I think they were he like playing their first two games. Second or third best player with Archibald. Yeah, and he came. He hadn't played yet this year, so he gave him some good minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Hester wants to know why can't we second half. What did, I thought the great win the second half. Yeah, they went by four. Held, but they the same. I don't think. I don't think is the. Yeah, but a lot of that was like at the end when they stretch it out again. Yeah. I don't, well, uh, I mean, the, we've the, talked a lot about their their. They want to get out and run. They want to push tempo, and it becomes harder to do that as the game unfolds with the current roster construction that they have. I mean, it's just... If they want to push tempo... It, 
you know, I think about the Michigan game a little bit because there there are moments in that game in the first half where Creighton Creighton's persistence in terms of forcing its pace led to buckets, early good looks for for the Jays. And in the second half, that persistence wasn't at the same level. I mean, there were times when they tried to push it, but it just wasn't as it did, they couldn't sustain it. They were never able. They were not. I don't. I don't even remember a sequence in them in the second half against Michigan where they were dictating tempo. And I feel like it was kind of the same thing today, where it just it it was hard for the Jays after halftime to kind of find that extra gear where they're just running it down a team's throat. Um, and so I think that's to me they're just they're in the half court more and. The offense just kind of bogged down both in both games, mm-hmm. and so uh, Greg McDermott acknowledged that in the post game and said, you know, that's it's something they're going to have to look at, and they obviously want to address so that they're able to perform efficiently in in the second half of games. But I do think it's funny. Like I've heard some criticism a little bit about why why would you be tired? It's game three, but the counterpoint to that is that. It's still forty minutes. Yeah, of, still forty minutes of a hectic pitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like up tempo uh, basketball. And yeah, there's seventy three possessions it, today. Uh, so yeah. there was moments where it slowed down for sure. But uh, but both teams were tired. I mean, it was pretty obvious that both teams were yeah. tired. And, and in the second half of that game, they, they just kind of had to dig deep and find a way. So I think that may have played into it. But I mean, Louisiana Tech did score. A few more points per possession, a couple ticks higher points per possession in the second half, but they were only two of ten from three, so they were much worse in the second half from three than they were in the first half. They were six of eighteen in the first half. They were two of ten in the second. Um, they had six turnovers in both halves, so that was consistent. Um, I think. I think one of the things that probably affected Creighton more was just like like you said like they got fatigued at some point they started turning the ball over Louisiana Tech started getting you know some easy run out opportunities and it probably looked worse for a bigger stretch than it did at any point in the first half it's probably would yeah just like from that standpoint it's probably shocking to the system like the second half was clearly going worse than the first um but I didn't feel like they were the the halves were in in totality I didn't feel like the halves were all that different like I just felt it, like it, it was. There was still like, like I feel like the energy level dropped off for Creighton. And they had to fight. They had to dig deep to finish it. Yeah. But from their efficiency standpoint, it was, they basically played the same. There was still sort of that ebb and flow, tug and pull, where you had two teams that could, um, you know, when when locked in and executing exactly the way they want to, like they can really make they can really go on surges. Yeah. And so I think that was kind of what you saw with Louisiana Tech made a run. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then Creighton had to respond to it. So they, it was probably a little bit elongated, <laughs> that, that lull, that drought in right. Louisiana Tech's push. But you knew I, – I thought Louisiana Tech was going to make a run in the second half at some point, and they did. Right. Made a couple runs. Mm. Uh, this one is from Brian. Uh, he wants a Davion Mintz update. Um, the current update is he has his cast off, which was expected as of November 6th. So that happened. Um, but he's not doing anything yet. He's not running. 
working out or anything. He's kind of just healing on the bike. Yeah, on the bike with the with the right leg. So he's strengthening the right leg right now. Well, he's got the left leg on in a boot when he's on the bike. Right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um. So yeah, he's uh, healing right now. I mean, there's. You know, it's a, it was a pretty bad injury. Like, it was a high ankle sprain is what the injury was called, but it was a pretty severe high ankle sprain. So the long-term prognosis was the more realistic one of the of the two in terms of the windows. So I think, what's today's date? 16th? Yeah. November 16th right now. So he's 10 days out from getting the cast off. And he doesn't look close to being ready in that two- to three-week window. So That was, like, the upside. Or the, uh, yeah, the optimistic, optimistic was, like, two to three weeks after the... Yeah cast came off and worst case was five to six so i think it's going to trend a lot closer to the five to six than it is the two to three yeah i mean unless he comes back monday and you know starts ramping up his activity level because right now he hasn't done anything like there's not so he's not close to playing right now until he starts doing stuff you know it's not even just non-contact he hasn't been doing any any basketball related activities so um he doesn't seem close to being back yet uh, Alex Sindelar wants to know Do you guys think I should do my laundry tonight Or should I wait to do it tomorrow I'm big on Stretching the laundry out over a course of a day Okay Especially on a, on a Like a football Sunday Where you can just Step aside from the game Maybe even hit pause real quick right. Run over Switch out the clothes You can fold while you watch Yeah like, I'm pretty big NFL. on that. Folding while I watch TV is huge, so... Okay, and if I know Alex, he doesn't like NFL at all. Oh. Baseball season's over, so Sunday's a really good day for him to do laundry. So I'm going to say... He doesn't watch NFL at I all. Don't, I, I oh, can't Alex, even think oh, he's man. got a, t- a team. I don't even think, yeah. I don't really have a team. I just like watching it. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I think, Sunday's, right, well, maybe I think they, Sunday's a good day for him to do laundry. Yeah. You know, don't do it tonight, man. Yeah, don't do it tonight. Grab a couple of brews, go out to the Capital District, or... By the time you listen to this, hopefully you're. Yeah, I, I imagine the laundry. You know what? It's funny because the laundry will probably be done by the time he listens to this. So, <laughs> right, that advice will carry over for next time. Yeah, yeah. Push it off. A Make day. the right decision. Push it off a day. Yeah. Don't piss off the significant other and do what you do. Um. This is our. This is our last one. Uh, this is from John Weiss. What happened to Christian Bishop today? Um, Kelvin Jones was really really effective and Christian was in foul trouble foul right? trouble I yeah. think I mean they are both kind of in foul trouble but Kelvin's were more of those um, those effort fouls the ones you can live with I guess right yeah no I mean you're like hard to disagree on that one well, he, had, he had an illegal screen on one maybe that's not on him maybe that's on the ball handler for going too soon right um, he, had he had one, two, on, a, he had one on, a, on a clean block shot that I don't understand how it was a foul yeah. so that was two he had another one on the on a foul challenge the shot too because he gambled. Yes. He gambled for the steal and then tried to recover and then fouled him. Yeah. Um, that, and then uh, one where he literally just fell on some dude. On an rebound attempt. Yeah. He actually got away with one because they called a tie up on one where he just smashed uh, Caleb Bedeau. Yeah. His face into the ground pretty much. I was like, that's a foul. Oh, on a, when he dove for it. Yeah, yeah, but he he dove on on pl- top of the man. The yeah, and like literally just hand to the face, and I was like, "That's a he just struck that yeah. dude." Like that's not a jump ball. I don't know, man. I thought that, I, I, and I, I thought I, man, who it was Kennesaw State, like they had sort of the other 
Christian was matched up against another undersized big uh-huh. with equal athleticism and mobility and agility, and I just felt like he couldn't get free the way he can get free against a taller, maybe more slower, traditional yeah, more traditional. So some of the things that his go-to moves that he was going with, mm-hmm. it was covered. And so, I don't know, I wondered if he just I – mean, He's a sophomore playing out of position. Like, yeah. uh, there's there's a lot for him to learn, but I think the key for him is to keep hustling and keep playing with energy and then obviously be smarter because he, he picked up fouls that probably he would not have wanted to. Although I, th- I thought one of those ones, one of those fouls where he was diving for a loose ball after maybe hedging hard on a ball screen and the ball got tipped away and he, he battled for it, like – I was surprised they called a foul on him for that. I thought I thought that was just two guys going after it. And then he got called for another one where he's hedging hard on the ball screen, and I, I thought the ball handler just dribbled into him, created the contact. But, um, yeah, man. Uh, it, it was Kelvin Jones's game when he was out there and not in foul trouble. And then, unfortunately for Christian, he was just in foul trouble. So. Yep. No, I agree. Kelvin – we didn't, we didn't really talk about Kelvin a whole lot, but he played. I think I turned to you one time and said, Kelvin has 14 points. You're like, yeah, dude. I was like, that is – I didn't feel like he – I don't know where those 14 bu- those buckets came from. But well, a couple of them he were was created. Ma- he was making some big-time plays out there. A couple sure. of them were created by Marcus. I thought he did a good job of kind of getting into the heart of the defense. Like what we talked about against Michigan and what they weren't able to do, getting to the – the center of the lane basically and then make a play he found him then he find him for a, uh, a dunk on one and found him for a it's kind of one of those like pocket pass one one bounce pass to mm-hmm. uh to kelvin around the defender or something it was like really, that. It was it was nice really pass, nice pass. Yeah. for a layup he made a couple plays in the post followed up his own miss once and, and knocked it in got that lob after Marcus's play. So, yeah, he, I mean, he was active, dude. Six and nine from the floor, you, you take that all day. That had, did he did he find Damian Jefferson on a back cut, or was it uh, – Yeah. It was it, – yeah. yeah, it was a nice pass. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, he had the offensive rebound where he – I don't know, man. He he flew in like – But what about the sequence like a, before that where he drew the charge? That was the play before that. I yeah. mean, they called it a block and the am one at first, then they – Went to see, check out if he was um, in the outside circle. the restricted area or not, and he wasn't. So he was outside the circle. Yeah, yeah. So that was a, he drew the charge. That was a big play, yep. and then, he, then on the next possession, he because he fouled the dude out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, right. Uh, Pemberton fouled no. out on that play. Was it Pemberton? The yeah, I think out? it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He fouled out on the play, and obviously it's a turnover, and you get retained possession. I mean, it goes from them having possibly two to three points to them having zero and one less player. You know what I mean? Yeah. One less key. Well, he, and he would have fouled out if they if he didn't. And and Kelvin was right. That was a huge that was a huge sequence for sure. So and then yeah, and then the offensive rebound where he saw the ball loose and went after it through his seven foot or six eleven frame, all six eleven. Yeah, committed, feet. committed, airborne. <laughs> Hit the ball. Yep. <coughs> Excuse me. And then got shoved. With I'm two hands by by Coach McDermott, chased down and shoved. Yeah, too, he right. was like not really paying attention, walking to the end of the bench. Yeah. And Max, like, get over here. <laughs> Hello, play. Um, yeah, that's what happened to Krishna tonight. 
Um, sorry, long answer. Short question. That's it for questions. Uh, I think that's it for this game. They got Cal Poly next, and I'm just kind of like looking into Cal Poly's recent history, and they are terrible. So that's not even we're talking about. We'll see how far back it goes. Cal Poly's not great, but North Florida's decent. Yeah, so we'll hold up because let's. I want to talk about Cal Poly for a little bit because so last year they were six and twenty-three. I think they have a new, new coach this year. But last year they were 6-23, and 23, and they beat something called Menlo by 7. Uh, UC Upstate, who is also trash, by 1 in overtime. Bethune-Cookman by 2 in overtime. Something called Holy Names, they waxed them by 21. But Isn't I don't, that like a... I don't know what that is, though. Isn't that like a church in uh, North O? If, if Holy it, Name? Like... If it is, I don't. Yeah, that's. <laughs> um, they beat Hawaii by eight, and they also beat UC Riverside, who waxed Nebraska. They beat them by twenty six. Somehow that was last year. Yeah, on the road. On the road, they beat them by twenty six after losing by twenty three eight days prior. So that's weird. Had that bye week, man. Able to prepare extra time. <laughs> right. They lost. They lost by twenty three and twenty seven or seventeen. Then they won by twenty six. Then lost by eighteen. This team is really bad. Um, that's who Creighton gets next. That is a. Uh, but you know what? Everybody should do that night. Is they should go to DJ Sokol Arena and until the fire marshal tells them they can't go in anymore because Creighton and Marquette. Are gonna play for a Big East title in like, volleyball. In volleyball, even if Creighton loses tomorrow, there's no the Big East title will still be on the line because if they beat Marquette, they'll tie them and have a two zero tiebreaker. So like, no matter what happens tomorrow against with Creighton and Butler, the Big East title is gonna be on the line next Friday. Everybody needs to go to that because that's at six, and men's basketball is at eight against a you know it's gonna be a cakewalk. So. Yeah, uh, the Cal Poly game is one of those uh, NET raw efficiency boosters. <laughs> raw efficiency boosters. That's that's, that's what that, Friday that is, is about. <laughs> to uh, I dare you to write about that. The raw efficiency. I dare you booster. to call this a right or raw efficiency booster. Just like just poke holes in <laughs> stuff. I dare you. That's what it is, though. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah I mean there a, there are teams last year that played the Cal Polys of the world and beat them very badly very badly and when the NAT was unveiled um and before you they were they were they were really high because the thing is is like the way well well, just 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 before you can you can jump on this point in a sec because just before you wonder like why is Creighton playing this team then not only is Creighton playing this team but St. Mary's is playing them tomorrow Iowa is playing them right after Creighton uh Fresno State is playing them San Diego State is playing them. So, like, this team has been picked to be an efficiency booster by several teams that have NCAA tournament aspirations this year. So don't just think, like, this is, like, Mac just softening up the home schedule for people. Like, several teams are picking. Several teams see, like, some slim pickings here, and they're going after this team because there's, like, five or six yeah, NCAA tournament teams a, on their resume. There's a strategy that are just going to try to beat the crap out of them. Yeah. yeah. It – Dude. Efficiency boosters. John's on this. Like he's been, he was on that early last year too. Yeah, he said, "Hold I mean, up." All the all the you have a lot of efficiency used, metrics here. It there. used yeah. The, they the way the NAT works is it has an, the efficiency boost uh, built in, but it's not um, 
adjust it for the strength of competition. Yeah, so right. what if Creighton beats a team by 40 and scores 80 points in 70 possessions or whatever and, and or 90 points in 78 possessions, mm-hmm. like you would think, oh, well, that shouldn't be – that efficiency shouldn't be equal to what Creighton did against Michigan. Right. Like, there should be a built-in difference between – Creighton beating some crap team really handily versus having to battle a Big Ten team. But no, that's not – they have a strength of schedule element built into the NET, but it has nothing to do with efficiency. Efficiency is its own piece yep. of the puzzle. And so there were a lot of teams last year that played very bad teams, won by a lot, boosted their raw efficiency numbers, and thus had higher NET than maybe they should have mm-hmm. because – and, and they weren't penalized. Cough NC State. Um. <clears throat> or Texas Tech. <laughs> Even though Texas Tech was really good. I'm just right. saying, like, they uh, – you're not penalized as much for playing these teams as long as, long as you beat them badly. I mean, you can't right. have a close game against a very yeah, bad yeah, team. No, That's no. not going to help. But as long as you, you win handily, uh, the payoff is, is, is higher. Mm-hmm. Like Creighton last year played – I mean, it essentially serves as like a – it essentially serves as a good resume win without it being a good resume win because if you wax a bad team, it helps your NET. Yes. It helps your overall metric, which is which goes into your resume right. for the committee. So, like, it's not just about who you beat. It's about who you played, how you beat them, and also who you beat. I heard uh, one analyst guy kind of describe it as, like, the way that the computer sort of data system assesses it is, like, it looks at... Let's say Creighton were to beat uh, Kennesaw State by 40, mm-hmm. or Creighton were to beat Cal, Cal Poly by 40 on Friday. Mm-hmm. What the metrics are like looking at is, okay, what do what, – what, what have teams done to teams like Cal Poly in the past? And, the, and then we use that data to project what Creighton will be or what teams like Creighton will be going forward. So if, if – if, the computer system thinks Creighton's a top 30 team, then it should be beating a 300-level team by this amount of points. Mm-hmm. And if it does, then, then the computer says, okay, yeah, you're a, a top 30 team. Right. When really a ton of different Division One high major teams could be a Cal Poly team, yes. Cal, Cal Poly team. As we just expressed. By 40. Yeah, exactly. So that's where it gets a little bit tricky, but, um, and, and, but it's also – a benefit to play these teams. There is a there is a benefit to playing yep. the bottom tier teams of of D one. Whereas last year, Creighton had three games against teams outside the top one one fifty total of the net. Total, yeah, three yeah. total games of teams outside the, of three of thirty one. Right. Or, well, they ended up playing thirty five. Right. Include the the NIT. So they had three games outside of. So we're talking about like. There's 350 D1 schools, right? And they they didn't play any of those bottom, yeah. or they played three games. It was a wildly the, difficult schedule for yeah. a young team to go through, right? Yeah. yeah, and they 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 were rewarded for by like they were included in the NCAA tournament discussion, mm-hmm. but and they were high seed in the NIT and all that stuff. Like, but that but yeah. since they but didn't, the near misses were costly. exactly since they yeah. didn't win the the games against the good teams, they didn't get a benefit for beating yeah. the mid tier. Or the just below mid tier teams that they filled their schedule with. Yep. So why not just get rid of the mid tier and the below mid tier teams from your schedule and just fill it with bottom tiers, but also have the top tier teams as well. Right. 
and just hope that you actually win these games against the top tier because yeah, it doesn't know pick off enough whatever you do matter. against. I mean, like a Louisiana Tech game, you commend Creighton for scheduling it because Louisiana Tech certainly had the capability of beating Creighton today. But uh, you know, from a selection standpoint, really doesn't no good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the hope is they hope that they can get a boost uh, in the committee room, but the way I look at it is. The only the only way that the committee's going to reference it's it gonna is going to be a Q two home win. I mean, yeah, yeah, if you if you lose, that's when they reference it. Yes. Otherwise, it's right. just a line on the resume, and they look over it and are like, "Wait, what'd you do against Villanova again?" That's that's <laughs> right. what matters. So, right, right. Um, yep, we'll watch them play Cal Poly, and and they'll win by a lot. Yeah, and if they don't, then you know, obviously, alarm bells will yeah. go off. Then yeah, then they didn't do what they didn't do with that one with that game. <laughs> um, that should actually be a new bit, though, shouldn't it? Like, that's a modified bit on Rothstein's epitome of brutality. If you don't smash a 300-level... If, if you don't smash a 300-level team... If you fa- fail to capitalize cover, like, on cover your... Those, like, cover the spread. Like, if you don't cover against a 300-level team, maybe. You, yeah. it's, it's like losing a buy game. Because you basically paid that team to come in, and you didn't... You didn't, you didn't, you didn't boost your yeah, efficiency. You didn't boost your efficiency, right. We'll have to come up with something like that. For sure. All right. I don't so, know if it's the epitome of brutality. But. Yeah, well, that's stupid in the first place. I mean, yeah, of course it's not going to be that. Um, we're much more creative. Uh, Are we, though? Yes. Uh, Rothstein bot is, like, is like getting outdated. Um, all right, let's, what do you got in the hopper for everybody? Let's, uh, let's sell some subscriptions for the World Herald here. Yeah, I mean, well, we've got the recap to this game. It's a huge week for Creighton Athletics this week. I mean, you mentioned volleyball. Mm-hmm. Um the men's basketball team is playing twice in a uh, in a weekend. Women's basketball is at home, and then they go to, to Nebraska. Yeah, a week from Sunday. So, man, I'm, I'm jam fed. It's like this is the meaty time. Yeah, of, jump on now. Like it's uh, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot. I'm I'm writing a lot. It's good selling. I'm doing a lot. He's <laughs> a, yeah, and he's got a baby on the way, and. Uh, you know, got to get the room yeah. finished, got to get the toys and everything put in place. Yeah. Do you have names picked out? We yet? don't have a name yet. So I guess. Are you going to wait until like D Day basically to drop right. the name on him? Like, probably. When he arrives, just it, say But it if, out loud. if you want to you, you want, you be under consideration, just get a subscription to the World Herald and we'll put your name in there. Oh, how about, how about that? that? That's, that's a pretty good deal. If you want to possibly be named, or John's baby named after you, subscribe to the World Herald now. Right. You'll enter the. You'll, you'll enter the yeah, John will personally go in and look at all the new names of subscribers right. after November 16th. And, and we'll enter them into... And I'll pass the name along to my wife and... and she will most likely deny all of them. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thought that counts, right? You'll be under consideration, which is enough, right? That's, that's more than... So you get, great, you get great content and you're under consideration to be, have his child named after you. That's, Think about that's that. That's what I'm saying. That's a cool deal, yeah. guys. I mean, Wow. I don't even. That's like the best sales pitch we've ever done. And I'm pretty sure you can get it for nine nine cents for three, three months. Like, come <laughs> right. on, right? It's not even it's that big of a deal, right? Yeah. So uh, that's what John's got going on. So subscribe to the World Herald, read his stuff. Um, also, Nebraska lost again today. So like, if you want to read, you know, all that stuff, that's you know, just for shits and giggles. <laughs> subscribe to, to get that content. Um, and then, yeah, always White and Blue Review, you know. We'll have this podcast up. We'll have the recaps up. Uh, the women lost today to Drake. Uh, but they played pretty well defensively. So it looks like they might actually 
you know, be allowed to call themselves a defensive team this year because they did it again to a really good offensive team. They just didn't hit enough shots to get the win. Um, volleyball won, swept Xavier today. Tomorrow they play Butler. And no matter what happens with that, they will be playing for their sixth Big East title in a row uh, next Friday at home against Marquette. Um, that's going to be a huge match. Um, so, yeah, it will be a jam-packed week full of creating content, and you know yep. where to get it. Wait for the review. Omaha World Herald. I'm Matt Arenas. That's Johnny Atawa. Thanks for listening. Have a good week, everybody.